I believe that um, environmental justice begins with us amplifying the most affected communities. So if you don't amplify uh, the voices from those communities, how will you know that they exist? Our planet's temperature is rising, disasters are getting worse, and young people are demanding action on climate change. Students know that their actions today will have implications for future generations and have continuously gone on strike from school to protest lack of initiative from changemakers. One prominent young climate activist is Vanessa Nakate. She first was concerned about the increasingly high temperatures occurring in her home country of Uganda. At the beginning of 2019, she began striking at the gates of Uganda's parliament alone. After months of calling other young people to action, Vanessa founded the Youth for Future Africa movement. Vanessa continued speaking for what she believed needed to be done to protect the future generation of Ugandans. She was invited to speak in front of world leaders and at conferences. One event was in Davos, Switzerland in January of 2020. The event was covered by multiple media platforms who interviewed the activists. One photo, which was widely circulated by the Associated Press, featured Greta Thunberg and three other young climate activists. All four activists in the published photo were white, but Vanessa, who is black, had been cropped out of the original photo. People were frustrated at the blatant discrimination, but Vanessa used that moment to shine a spotlight on the importance of including a wide variety of voices, especially African voices, in the global climate conversation. Now, I had the chance to call Vanessa over Zoom and discuss Vanessa's journey as a climate activist and the importance of amplifying young African voices. I think that um, the best way I can define myself is uh, I'm very, very focused if I choose to to do something. And um, when I decide to work on something, I'm so determined in that I can't give up until until I get the results that I'm searching for. So I'm more like the, the very persistent kind and uh, I don't really give up if I set my eyes to achieve something. Yeah, though I look serious sometimes, but I'm also very, very sociable and very friendly. <laughs> sometimes I look so serious to people and unapproachable, but that's just uh, the looks sometimes, but I'm very approachable and um, very sociable person and very cool as well. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. So how do you describe your activism? I think um, it's full of a lot of energy. I think that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, because I'm a climate activist and in my activism, it's more of demanding for climate action from the government leaders. It is something that takes uh, a lot of confidence and uh, a lot of boldness and something that needs a lot of energy, not just physical energy, but also um, emotional energy. And uh, it comes with its own challenges. That is why I would describe it as something that um, needs a lot of 
it needs a lot of energy, uh, the mental energy, the, the, the physical energy, and the confidence and the boldness to be able to put your demand straight to the government leaders. Yeah, yeah. That's something we hear a lot from a lot of, especially younger activists, just the idea that they're supposed to have uh, energy and um, just be sort of a force that's pushing a movement forward all the time and sort of the weight of those expectations and responsibilities and continuous giving of their time, of their attention is is very um, wearing down. <laughs> it can wear down on your yeah. Um, on your on your energy on yourself you just can't be strong like all the time right right exactly and especially i i wanted to ask as somebody who um is a climate activist that represents uganda but also generally ends up representing the entire continent of africa uh, on the climate front does that ever um feel like <laughs> that specifically adds to the stress yes um it actually um feels like it's a lot of work because it is a lot of work when um you're labeled something like that when you're called like um the one who represents the activism in a in an entire continent it really is a lot of work and what hurts is that people don't see how much you know how much and how heavy that is everyone wants to interview you everyone wants you to send them a video everyone wants you to be in that digital campaign like it becomes a lot of work and it's so sad because there are other activists uh, across the continent and it feels like uh, if you are erasing the other voices that are in the continent so it becomes a lot of work, especially when you really have no like team that you're working with to help you with. You have to work on speeches. You have to work on uh, scheduling interviews. It's just, it just adds on the stress. Trust me, it is really, really not cool. Right. I can imagine. I can imagine. Because so many activists, when they um, are sort of called to represent their countries, don't have the additional stress of representing an entire continent. And I, I personally think that uh, when we, when people push this uh, agenda of someone representing a continent, it's uh, it clearly shows um, the underrepresentation of that continent on the world stage or in decision making because you look, you overlook other people who are doing the same thing. And then you start focusing on one person. It's, it's just crazy. And I think specifically Africa is is generally um, seen as a monolith, <laughs> I would say. I know. So, I know, right? Yes. And so if you have just one person who comes out of there, you sort of assume every country has the same experiences, every country has the same issues, has the same climate problems. Yeah. Um, so it's very, it just erases the experiences of every other country. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I really agree with you. So I wanted to ask, what, um, what's the story behind why you got into climate activism? What led you down this path specifically? Well, um, 
becoming a climate activist was a was a process for me of course um it's not something that i just woke up to do or it's not something that someone told me to do i remember in the year 2018 i wanted to do something that could cause change in the lives of the people in my community in my country and I started carrying out research to understand the problems that these people face and the challenges that they face in their in their communities, you know. And uh, I found a number of problems like unemployment rates being so high. This is mainly for those who have just, you know, graduated from school because, you know, the offices or the jobs that are being occupied by people who don't want to retire when their retirement has reached. So it doesn't give an opportunity to these young people to you know, get into those offices and have some work to do. Uh, plus also other problems, gender inequalities, corruption among others. But I was really surprised to find that climate change was one of those problems. This is because um, in school, it is taught as something that either happened in the past or something that's coming in the far future and we don't have to worry about it. And then here I'm reading that climate change is the biggest threat that is facing humanity right now. So I started to read more about it, <coughs> excuse me, to understand its impacts, to understand uh, the causes. And I realized that there are some people in my country who are facing those, uh, those challenges, for example, in the Mount Elgon area, there are people who are suffering with uh, torrential rainfall, bringing about flooding and landslides, you know, causing destruction of property, uh, people being buried by landslides, causing destruction of farms, people losing their food. So when I got to understand that climate change is here already and it has been here and it has been affecting lives and destroying people's livelihoods, I started to think about, you know, joining activism. But I, the truth is I, I didn't know how I was going to do it. So I started to read about ways of creating awareness of a problem. And um, I got to read about past movements and how uh, activists talked about problems and, you know, got to tell the public about them. And through my research, I got to find out about uh, the Fridays for Future movement, and um, I read about it, and I thought that that was a, a good way for me to have my voice uh, say something and to try and help the people who are already being affected by the climate crisis. So basically, that's 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 what led me to start climate activism, and uh, my first strike was in January two thousand nineteen. And I've been striking for over a year now. I would. I also wanted to ask. Um, I know that a lot of like the pictures. I think for when you were originally striking was you being the only person striking on a Friday for Future. Is that correct? Oh yeah. In the beginning, I remember um, I had my first strike. Uh, it was on a Sunday. My first strike was with my siblings. But then um, they had to go back to school and the following strikes, I was doing them by myself. Wow. How did that feel? Sort of be feeling like you were the only person who, you know, 
either knew about the problem or cared about the problem? Um, was it intimidating? Yes, of course, it was very intimidating, especially uh, being out there on the streets with the placards and, you know, with no permit. You know how our African countries can be so political and how they, you know, they make everything to be like you're against the government and all that. So it was kind of um, very intimidating, but not just intimidating, scary as well. I had to deal with quite a number of looks from very many people. And um, it was almost like they were saying, girl, you're wasting your time. Go back at home and just find something to do. And um, I remember some of them would ask me, uh, so what do you gain from this? Like, what are you going to get because you're doing this? And then I'm like, uh, it's not about what I'm going to gain. In fact, there is nothing to gain. I'm just trying to create awareness of a problem that is threatening all of us. And everyone is needed to, you know, join this movement and try to do something to address this problem. And then uh, some of them are like, uh, but we have, uh, we have current problems. We have daily problems that we really think that we need to worry about instead of us worrying about a problem that we are not sure of. So there was a, a really big problem of uh, climate education and it was so hard to, you know, get to explain to people and let them know that climate change is real and it's affecting us right now. Right, right. Sort of, it, it doesn't feel urgent, I guess, because it, it doesn't feel um, like a tangible problem that people have. And so... yeah. In addition to that challenge, were there any other challenges you faced from other people, whether like, you know, about your age or um, not like wanting to support you, whatever pushback you received from other people? Yes, um, of course, uh, being a climate activist, it's kind of, uh, it's very hard, especially if you're a young person to you know, get to uh, meet uh, leaders and talk to them and tell them why you're doing that. It's really hard to, you know, get to those leaders. And uh, I remember the time I really tried going to the parliament. Um, I, I told them I, I needed to make an appointment with the, with the leader of the, of the government, but only the security personnel just looked at me and they're like, no, if you have no appointment. And then they were letting every other person in without asking them what they were going to do, who they were going to see. So that has really been a challenge, getting to meet uh, government government leaders and, you know, giving them your petitions and uh, giving them your demands and telling them exactly what you want. That has been a, a very big challenge. And also... Um, there's been a challenge of getting people to join activism. As I said, uh, people already have uh, more tangible problems and they feel like uh, this is not something that they can work with or something that you know they can waste their time on, as most of them usually say. And then um, most people are also not really educated about climate change. So it's a lot of work trying to explain to someone and the, at, the, at the end of it all, they just tell you that they don't believe in that. So it can be very, very disappointing. And you know also the way the schools are in Kampala or in Uganda, um, they have security, they have fences. So 
it is really hard to get students to, you know, just walk out of school and, you know, strike with you because many of them would be subjected to either suspension or expulsion and um, many really don't, don't uh, wish to go through all that, so they rather stay in school. And the best way is to involve them is by speaking to the principal and doing the strikes within the schools. But then sometimes um, not every principal will allow, you know, will give you time to do that. Many of them never reply to the letters, many of them promise, but they never really fulfill and give you the time to speak to the students. So it's really, um, it's really a challenge and also getting permits for striking. It is also very hard. It only works if you really have a big organization that you're associated with. And that's really um, a challenge for me. I, it has been a challenge for me because I haven't worked with any organization and uh, none that I have any connections that would help me uh, get a permit for the strikes. So it has really, uh, Climate activism has come with its own challenges. I wanted to ask, in relation to the challenges, um, the the idea of your age being an issue is a lot. It's something we hear a lot from activists, um, people not taking you seriously, climate specifically, where it's an issue that is not. Gen I mean, taken as seriously as it needs to be presents its own special challenges. Um, as you got outside of Africa, um, obviously there was the big news story. You don't have to talk about that. I'm sure you're probably <laughs> tired of talking about it. But um, were there any issues that you experienced that you hadn't experienced while you were in Uganda? Well, um, the issue and... Um the time when I really experienced something that was new to me, that was when I was in Davos for the World Economic Forum. I was invited by the Arctic Base Camp. And at this uh, base camp, literally we as activists, we were doing this uh, silent strike of uh, sleeping outside in the tents. And you know how cold it is in Davos at that time, actually <laughs> snowing right. and all that. Yeah, so it was more like a demonstration to show our leaders that uh, we are doing very uncomfortable things. It's time for you to do uh, the uncomfortable things that will be able to save our planet and, you know, give up on the comfort of the fossil fuel industry. So basically that's what was happening at that camp. So at this camp, I had, uh, I had an opportunity to be at the press conference with other climate activists like Luisa, Greta, uh, Isabel, and Lukina. And um, at this press conference, I remember everyone was just airing out their views and, you know, answering questions. And, you know, I remember there was a, there was a time at the press conference where I told media to stop being so biased about what it reports and, you know, to be inclusive and you know report every issue every story from different parts of the world i remember saying that at the press conference and then uh, later on we went for this climate strike and after the climate strike i'm on the internet and i see this article and i see a photo and i don't see myself when i could see my jacket that's what made me realize that i had been cropped out of the photo and i must say that was a very very 
it was a very disturbing time. It was so frustrating to see something like that because a few uh, hours back, I had just told this very media that they should not be biased about the news that they report. They should include everyone. And here I'm cropped out of a photo and not introduced as one of the activists at the press conference. I must say it was a very, um, it was the first time I really experienced something that is uh, close to uh, discrimination and racism. It made me feel out of place and it made me feel like I had wasted my time at the press conference, honestly. And uh, it really made me sad because um, there are different voices in Africa trying so much like to be heard trying so much to be listened to. And I had got the opportunity to go to the world stage, but even on the world stage, my voice was still erased. So it made me think about how those who are even trying from, you know, from way back at home, how will they be able to get their stories to be listened to? Yet even at the world stage, our stories are being erased. So it was a very, a very trying moment for me. It was a very, sad moment for me and so frustrating but um i really thank god because um it brought in a lot of support and not just because it happened but because uh i spoke up against what you know the the, the media had done and that caused a certain conversation around the climate movement and how media is so uh, uh biased on what it reports chooses what it reports and you know how it treats the communities that are actually affected the most by the climate crisis so i must say that the 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 the, the challenge that came out of came out of each from davos um through the speaking up through the support that i got from um very very many people it has been able to you know, put uh, African activism on the map of the world stage and people are looking out for it. And yeah, I'm really thankful for that. But we shouldn't wait for such things, you know, to recognize activism in Africa. It should not be recognized through such uh, incidences, through such experiences, because they are very hurtful. We need to recognize what people are doing and uh, tell their stories without them having to go through uh, such experiences. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing that I was thinking was it's so frustrating that it it almost feels um, um, especially annoying, maybe because you get so much attention from it and so much um so many new followers and new people who you know are being educated about you know climate activism in africa but it had to happen through such unfortunate circumstances and you don't want to feel grateful for yeah. that happening but um especially because you know it was exciting it was a trip to one of the biggest you know forums on climate activism and it was yeah. supposed to be uh, you know a time for you to not feel you know discriminated against there was a time for you to feel good and that was when I read the story particularly annoying to me was just how it sort of ruins the occasion yeah I agree with you so I wanted to, to touch on what you had said earlier about um, the impact it has on the countries that are most affected by climate activism 
how do you think that Africa is impacted differently or uniquely by climate change? Well, uh, climate change is um, it's greatly threatening the natural resources in Africa. I must say that um, most African countries heavily depend on their natural resources for food and for, um, for water as well. So with the increasing uh, global temperatures, causing um, intense dry, dry spells and you know, intense short rainy seasons. We are having very many people lose their crop production, you know, currency over disasters like floods or disasters like um, landslides or, or intense droughts. For example, um, recently I was talking to an activist and they told me that in their country, um, having water is a very valuable thing. To them, water is so valuable because it is very scarce. And this is because of the, you know, the water resources in their country, they have dried up, the wells have dried up, the boreholes are drying up and the streams are drying up because of the increase, uh, the increased intensity in the dry spells, in the drought seasons. So um, climate change is really uh, causing disasters in people's lives, but not just disasters, even the aftermath of those disasters leaves people's lives destroyed. For example, if a family was um, was depending on you know selling some of the crops that they grow in order to take their children to school, that means they can no longer go to school if there is no money to take them to school because there is no food at all for sale. You know, if a family doesn't have enough food, they will choose to either survive on one meal a day or you know eat today and uh, skip the next day and eat you know just to try and survive, and then. Um, you don't expect a child to go to school on a hungry stomach. You look at all these things and you realize that just uh, when the disaster hits, people just focus on what the disaster has done for that specific day, but they never get to understand the aftermath. This uh, climate change, it's also going to increase uh, gender inequalities in the African continent. We know very well that it's the women who put the food on the table, who do the farming, who collect the water, so in the case of such, uh, such disasters, women are going to have to work harder in order to provide food for their families. They're going to have to walk very long distances in order to find water for their families. And the COVID-19 pandemic, but um, as they're telling us to keep washing our hands, not everyone has access to that water. Not everyone is able to wash their hands as frequent as they should because the water that they have is little and it's valuable and they need to try as much as possible to maintain it you know so it's a problem that bathes problems which in the end bath more problems and literally destroy people's lives people take long to recover after the occurrence of climate disasters that is why the people of uh, the african continent need to you know rise up and uh, speak for themselves because they're losing they're losing what they have trust me climate change greatly affects natural resources and most african countries depend on natural resources so that is the biggest threat that climate change is really putting on africa as a continent 
Yes, that description is very good. It's very um, evident the urgency that we need we need to be having about about climate change as it can affect so much um, about people's lives. I wanted to ask about so the threat is looming. I mean, it's very scary. Would you say that the response that you have um, to whether either people believe or um, support you has to do with whether maybe they have been directly impacted? Like, do you see more people who um, recognize the urgency who maybe, you know, work the land or farmers are directly connected to these natural resources? Are they maybe more responsive to your message? Yes, um, I've been uh, to some strikes and there are people who have actually walked to me and acknowledged that they believe in the message and they believe in the demands. This is because, uh, first of all, they're, they're older than me and um, they're older than me. They have been there and they have seen the changes. I remember talking to um, a gentleman sometime and he clearly explained that there was a time when um, he could predict you know, he could predict when the rainfall would come and that would help him plan on how to, you know, plant his crops and all that. But now he has reached a point whereby he cannot predict the rainfall anymore. The patterns have changed. They're so uneven. And he believes that there must be a reason for that. So there are people who actually acknowledge this. But the people who accept and believe in these demands, most of them are usually farmers who have actually been able to see the changes, especially in the rainfall patterns and in the dry spells in their various communities. Yeah, yes, wow. Because, um, yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking that, yeah, people who who are able to see the change happen over time and see that things are not the way that they used to be, um, are able to see in the in the work that they do that they that something has changed and that it's it's um still changing and that it could have negative effects and maybe people who are not as connected whether government officials or politicians might not be as close to the real life impacts of of the situation i don't want to keep you for much longer i you know an hour is probably a good time. Uh, but I wanted to ask one more question um, about African activism yeah. or um, when people Can talk I? about either like the lack of African voices or um, there not being um, enough activism, would you say that there's a lack of voices, African voices speaking on climate activism? Or would you say that there's just not attention on the ones that are there speaking out and doing the work? Um, about that, I must say that there are quite a number of African voices in the climate movement. I have seen them, I have interacted with them, I follow some of them and I share um, the work of most of them. So I must say that there are very many climate activists across Africa but you can't know them if you don't give them the attention, if you don't tell their stories, if you don't cover their work. So that is the problem here. Media portrays uh, African activism as 
a very a very small movement you know a very small movement very few activists but actually uh, there are quite a number of activists all we need is uh, media that is willing to report the work of these activists to share their stories to tell their stories across uh, different platforms to amplify their voices i believe that um environmental justice begins with us amplifying the most affected communities so if you don't amplify uh the voices from those communities how will you know that they exist so it is media that needs to do uh its work it needs to do it needs to change and uh, be able to cover various stories of uh, different activists in africa because they are so many and i've worked with very many of them yes that's one thing that i really admire i've been following um your social media um and you make an effort to really amplify the voices of other activists um and give them a platform and sort of um introduce them to people who don't um do the work to find the activists that are that are working very hard thank you so much for talking to me by the way you're welcome <laughs> this is amazing I'm glad we did this i am too <laughs> you're so nice to talk to Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag Pass the Mic Youth. We firmly believe in the importance of centering a diverse range of voices. And you can find more stories of incredible young activists like Vanessa at our site, passthemikeyouth.com. Hashtag Pass the Mic Youth is a product of NC State Extension, but does not necessarily reflect its views.